Hey. Hey, Jason. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, where do we start? I mean, uh -huh. We just had Baxter Kruger on. Yeah. Man, I'm, our tacos community is going to absolutely love this one. Yeah. It's long, um, so take some time when you yeah. can digest it all. We were going to chop it into two parts, but we're like, no way. You got to hear this entire thing from yeah. start to finish yeah. because um, it was, it, I, I can only describe it as epic. <laughs> yeah, it's the deep end, but but he's such a brilliant communicator and a relational that you never leave the uh, the the practical aspects of love. I mean, you're constantly love is right the foundational uh, point of everything he's saying. So yeah, I mean, no separation. You know, Jesus stepping inside our delusion. We talk about the cross. We talk about uh, words like wrath dismay and and uh the ultimate re revelation of christ within us yeah talk about bass fishing and tacos <laughs> oh he skunked <laughs> me man I, I showed him a picture of my 8.6 pound bass and he's like yeah right my grandson's <laughs> got bigger fish than that <laughs> and i'm like oh yes sir <laughs> you stick around to the end you get to see his entire office he shows us the office which is a library Right. Um, yeah, this was fun. This was. Uh... I, I I really feel like, and I think he's right, that there's some such a momentum shift towards this type of thinking and the hunger for this. Off camera, we began to talk about ideas of gatherings that we could potentially have in the future. Yeah. Um, Baxter is a big thinker, uh, but he he's a humble and loving man, father, grandfather, yeah. husband. Yeah. Yeah. who loves to cook crawfish for his friends and family and yeah. senses the joy of heaven when he's creating his crawfish <laughs> etouffee or yeah. his just, you know, he, he brings it right down to God is with us. He is yeah. in us. He is pleased with us and yeah. he is co-creating with us. I, I can't. Yeah. He's a good shepherd. Right. It's who he is. Um, uh, and it's crawfish bowl which is boil crawfish bowl but you say bowl in mississippi uh and we did talk about my five years there he actually was really vulnerable about uh what it's cost him at times to chase down this good news right um but of course there's nothing more to do once you've had the good news but to continue to to live in it and share it so you can't you can't unsee it that's and, it and uh yeah. and you're in too deep and so uh, this is going to create some amazing conversations on our Facebook page. By the way, if you haven't joined the Facebook page yet, uh, please do. Yeah. It's at Rethinking God with Tacos. <clears throat> Invite your friends who you feel like would be, you know, like-minded and blessed. It's been a great community full of kindness and compassion. And, yeah. and like Baxter said, it's connecting resources of hey no check out this person they're they're in the same vein of union check out yeah. this person they're they're talking about the love of god they're talking about you know uh, all the things that we're navigating yeah and if you want to join the mailing list it's a familystory.org we keep you up with uh podcast and and meetings but we're even talking about having baxter in uh maybe next year so guys yeah he's open this. to a conference right here in charlotte uh, we, yeah. we just learned and so cl hey click the give button at a familystory.org if you want to connect with us financially we're a listener funded podcast 
Uh, we don't we don't pay anybody to be a part of these podcasts. They do it out of the goodness of their heart. Uh, but we got to keep um, this supported through your efforts, and we say thank you for that. Uh, those of you that have given and donated yeah. to a family yeah. story, it helps keep us going with great guests like Baxter. Yeah, yeah, man, it's it's this has been a life giving for us, and and uh, the community that's gathered around it is a beautiful thing. And I uh, I love doing this with you, my friend. I say it all the time, but I really Me do. Me too, Jason. Love yeah. you, brother. I, yeah. I man, I just the uh, the way that the questions bounce off and the. I just feel like there's such a, a blend of yeah. your world, my world, and then these guests that we're bringing in. And it's coming becoming together. our here's, world. Here's what it's coming together for. It's coming together to get a greater revelation of Jesus, to reveal yeah. Jesus and reveal his face-to-face connection with the Father and our union in that. Yeah. Amen. Guys, uh, it's, it's almost a two-hour uh, podcast that you're going to love it. This is our conversation with Baxter Kruger. Yep. You know, but that was right. that was quite amazing, and um, uh, had uh, experience in in England, where I had a whole. We went from uh, John Walker organized this trip that went from Leeds all the way to Wales, all the way to Loch Tay in Scotland, and back. And several, it was just amazing, but. On the, the 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 docket was I was supposed to speak at, at Leeds Cathedral, and I'm like, wow. Well, <laughs> so anyway, long story short, went along. A senior pastor, vicar, whatever you call it, said, "Look, we we're pretty tight on a 30 minute sermon. That's it. And and you need to know, you know, most people never heard of the shack, so I'm sure they not really know much about the shack for business." I said, "That's fine." So I kind of quickly settled on my sermon. I knew John was nervous that I would not you know, get, you know, beyond 20, you know, so I, I finished at 29, you know, minutes and some seconds and I, and I politely descended the, the mount and went and sat by John. And, and by the time I got there, there were 700 people in the room. By the time I got there, there was a standing ovation and hooping wow. and hollering and gearing on. And, and I'm, I'm like, um, so the vicar gets up and says, look, you know, I've been here 20, 25 years, never seen anything like, it. I'm just curious is what's, what's going on with my people today? And uh, he had asked if anybody had read the shack during the wow. service and everybody in the room raised their hand. Wow. It, it stunned him. And a lot of people read the yeah. shack. But anyway, he, he said, I just would like to know what, what's going on with, you know, and this, this one little lady in the back, or I don't know where she was. She said, it's good news. <laughs> and, and That's it. One, a, a young man said, it's good news. And then, a, then the older lady said, he told the truth. Wow. And I just was like, whoa, what is going on? So <laughs> well, yeah, it's back. a new day. When did you do Jason that? And I were, Jason and I were talking about that beforehand, about how the shack was, it was such a, a dividing line almost. And it either it either completely set people free, or they were totally weird about God being a black woman and just went the other direction. But to me, that was almost like a fault line that took place, and it's continued. And of course, your book, bringing the theology around it, uh, man, it just it's that changed everything for me. And mm-hmm. uh, and what you're talking about with Bruce, you guys. You guys paved a lot of a lot of dry ground, <laughs> you know. But there's a lot of people standing on your shoulders now, and uh, oh, yeah. our audience is one of them. 
It's beautiful. You know, the momentum is kicking in high gear now. Yeah. I, I would, go ahead. Go. Well, I was, I was, I'll say this first. We got going, so I just hit record so I could check things, but we're going. So if you're good with it. Right on. <laughs> but well, I, I, I think the show, I, I don't know where this was, but somebody said to me after a meeting, um, they'd been praying and, um, uh, about this for you know years and and uh, he he said to me the guy said to me he said i've been asking the lord when when are you going to raise up another luther and nail the 95 theses on the door we need a great reformation and and he said the lord said i already have yeah and he, he said what do you mean he said the shack wow oh, man i love that so when when there's two different three or four different layers here one is the response of institutional christianity slash modern uh neo-Aryan evangelicalism and you don't expect them to jump on board but a lot of people who had virtually who were virtually in the back uh parking lot just boom but then the other the other layer is the people that don't have that world never have been in that world right uh either and i'm not talking about uh, just non-christians i'm just talking about uh, we don't realize in North America, we're so North American centric, we're so evangelical centric. We don't realize that the evangelical community is this little bitty in terms of church and church history. And it doesn't set the agenda. I mean, right. When you stretch back, you got you got to deal with, you know, the the apostolic uh, early church. You got to deal with Nicaea. You got to deal with Athanasius and Irenaeus and Hillary. And and uh, and Gregory Nazianzus, and I mean, there's a whole conversation that's been going on, and in that yep. conversation, the American evangelical, so-called evangelical, I remember talking to an Orthodox bishop about this, and I said, I'm I'm fascinated to know what you you know, how do the Orthodox, how does the Orthodox community view American so-called evangelicals? And he said, he said, we, we view you as a Christian sect. Right. And I right. said, I said, I mean, I wasn't surprised at it, you know, cause his question is me to me was how in the world does somebody from Mississippi write a book straight out of the heart of the early church in Athanasius? He said, I gotta have, I, I need to know that story. So yeah. I wasn't at all surprised about the way they saw things looking back toward, you know, the American evangelical scene, so-called evangelical. I'm not giving that word up. Um, but I, but he he said one other thing. He said, "Bless y'all's heart." He wasn't talking about me. He was talking about you know the larger. He says, "You actually believe that Jesus had to pay the Father off." And he right. said, "That's never that's never crossed an Orthodox Christian mind." And I yes, said, sir. "Yeah, I know. I know what the Orthodox believe. I mean, I've studied it, and I wow. love." And they were so close. And and then studying John's gospel is like, man, it's amazing to read all the different articles and the scholars and all this stuff. And people throw up their hands. John has no atonement theory. He doesn't. It's just all about Jesus. And, you know, and Jesus in John's gospel is like a like a demigod that strides across the earth. I'm like, what, 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 what do you mean he doesn't have a it's not atonement. It's union. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He's come to unite himself with his bride in her a delusion and deliver her and so good it's just like that's the whole gospel again and again and again and again and again so I, we've been teaching through uh, i've been teaching through john's gospel in my um patreon class and now we finally now are at chapter 19 uh we don't we don't meet but once a month and it's uh, that class doesn't but um it, it is it's quite astounding to me 
and, and some years ago, I don't remember the dates on this, but it wasn't that long ago. Um, I got a phone call from the psych unit in the local hospital in Jackson. And there was a lady there who was, has, was pretty much having a conniption and she kept asking for me. And I'm like, look, I, I'm not a medical doctor. I got a PhD in theology. You know, it's, uh, and she said, no, but, and I knew the lady. And uh, so they said, is there any way you can come down for just a little while? And I said, yeah, I'll be there, you know, in 30 minutes. Yeah. I got in the car and I'm driving down the road. I'm like, Lord, I don't know. I mean, what this is, I don't know that I'm going to call this an adventure, but this is different. <laughs> right. And so I, I had to find the place and then I walked in. It's like a, 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 some, you know, there's two or three checkpoints and things to get in and finally got in the room and the lady, there were three nurses in there trying to, you know, trying to get her to calm down and, and uh, she just pitched fit, and she said, "She said, Baxter, she said, they won't let me get dressed. I don't have my my dress or my clothes. I I got to get my nails done. I got to get my hair." I said, "So what's going on?" She said, "Well, you got an invitation too." And I said, "What?" She said, "To the ball. The limo's coming to pick me up and taking me to the ball. And you're supposed to be there, and you're not dressed." And she said, "Get me out of here." Huh. And I said, "Well, I don't know about." And the minute I started countering her narrative. She was ready to throw me out of the room. She she kind of became violent. Right. And I told the nurse, I said, I, you know, is there anything you can do to calm this woman down? Because she's fit to hurt somebody, if not herself. Right. And, the, and they did. And, and, and things kind of settled down a little bit. And then I left. And I'm, I'm muttering to myself, as all my friends know, when I, when I get mad. <laughs> and I'm, I'm walking out, Lord, what, what <laughs> is going on? And I was not out of the parking lot before I realized there is the problem sin. It's yeah. delusional. Yeah. Wow. And no matter how inerrant my word to her may have been, it's being filtered yeah. through her received and believed narrative. And I thought, that's it. That's Jesus it. didn't come to pay the father off. He came to find his way inside the delusion inside of us so he could begin to have a conversation with us beyond our you know, filters. Yeah. And that's the crisis. That's the judgment. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness is going, I don't know what to do with this. This doesn't fit my narrative, but I can't argue with it because it's not outside of me. Wow. This, wow. This, is, this is what John is saying. It's a divine descent. The one who is in the Father and the Father is in him. The one who is anointed in the Holy Spirit not only becomes a human being, but becomes flesh. He enters mm. the delusion. And he does that by 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 submitting himself to the empire and submitting himself to religion. And, and they beat, they, they damned him, they cursed him, uh, they crucified him, they hoisted him back up to the father on that cross and, and said, you know, here. And the father's saying, yes, yeah, I am right now. I am doing what I do. I am being who I am. I am holding my son and my wayward children, and I'm meeting you in everlasting mercy. You, mur <laughs> you murdered my son. I transfigured that into the new covenant, the yeah. renewal wow. of the union. Yes. Now meet, meet me here in Jesus, because that's where I am. Yeah. Where was God when Christ was being crucified? God was in Christ. Yes. The hour has come and now is. Jesus says, when you're going to leave me alone, he should scatter to your own home. But I am not alone. The Father is united with me. And so you see a divine descent. This is the early church. This is Athanasius. Yeah. This is this is Gregory. This is Hillary. Yes. I understand there. It's, <laughs> this is even more fascinating when you fast forward in Scotland <laughs> in the eighteen hundreds. Wow. I, I did a I just did a um 
an introduction to George McDonald sermons for a new edition awesome. out by the George McDonald Society. And it got me right back in my, oh my gosh. There oh it my is. <laughs> yeah. Let me show you. <laughs> you make me get I'm, my I'm ready to match you, Baxter. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I, you are pressing all the buttons right now. <laughs> Let me tell you, you can't, you can't match this one. <laughs> oh, brother. Ah. The unconditional wow. yeah. of the gospel by Thomas. That smells Earth. of old Pete. Old Pete. John McLeod The Nature of the Atonement. Wow. Mm. Uh, oh, this 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 book, man, is we're we're redoing it right now. The guy that just the addition of uh, the unconditional freedom of the gospel that you held up is done by uh, Richard Leinbach. Um, yeah. And so the next thing he's doing is. Uh, uh, Erskine's book that, that was published posthumously called The Spiritual Order. And he, ha he had requested in his will that not only that book be published, but ch chapter three be published as a separate thing, which we're doing both. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get to write the, the introduction to that, but, Love but it. man, I, and I was just, I just got back from Scotland not long ago, um, a couple of weeks and, um, with David Hewitt. Yeah, well, David Hewitt and then uh, me and John Crowder or Crowder did a whiskey retreat on on the heels of that. So I, w I went a week earlier from John and I got there early in the morning and I was, I got, finally got to my B&B &B and I was having a cup of tea looking out over the first of five. And I just felt this, this not, not welcoming, but joy. And I said, I said, brothers, and I, I'm talking about AJ Scott. And, and and Thomas Erskine, and and um, John McLeod Campbell, and and then of course you have George McDonald, and then you have uh, P. T. Forsyth, and then you have I mean H. R. McIntosh, then you have T. F. Baby <laughs> Torrance, and then Adam Torrance, and then Trevor Hart. I mean, and that's just once. But I'm I'm feeling all of my brothers, and I'm saying, guys, you have blessed mm. the world. Yeah, you have plowed deeply and beautifully. You cannot find more beautiful writing than than Thomas Erskine or George MacDonald. Hmm. Um, and, and, and then you've got um, a William Law that nobody knows about, but he's the one that really recovered the emphasis on the father and the father's love. And he got yeah. that from the fathers. <laughs> and it, it's just astounding, right. the, line, the line here. Yeah. So at my first meeting there, I said, listen, y'all just going to have to humor me for a minute because I got to tell you something about Scotland that you don't know. And I'm eager to, you know, but in, in my little time, before all that started, I'm just saying, guys, you have plowed beautifully. And and yeah. to me, among others, but to me, it was given the joy and the gift of getting to read you and study you and stand up again and share what you. And I've been doing it all over the world and you've yeah. blessed the world. But but it's time now for something to happen here. Wow. Let's let's see the revolution <laughs> happen here. Yeah. And yeah. My, I was I was riding a wave that whole week. It's wow. just was astounding. But but those men um um in particular and there are many others fd morris in in england uh and then he's got a whole family of disciples uh and, and again when you start digging back into it you realize oh my gosh what we have here <laughs> is the eruption of the celtic christian mind and heart which started in ephesus by the way uh in the in the the blessed collusion of Paul and John and, and Timothy. And then it was exported, not by not through Rome, but around by sea to to uh, Wales. And from Wales, it went to Ireland and then to Scotland and then down through St. Aidan 
uh, to England to convert the, the heathen. Uh, but it, they, from the very beginning, that Roman line was was there. Right. But the Celtic line was coming in this way, and I'm I'm sitting there. I'm thinking this is this is an eruption inside the belly of the Latin beast by the Celtic mm. heart and mind. That's who these men are. It directly connects back to Athanasius, to Gregory Nazianzus, to Hillary, and it's a direct direct connection there. And I thought, oh goodness, how powerful and beautiful is that? And when I was standing on the the Gower Peninsula, which is down southern part of Wales, which is the first place that the Celtic Christian vision came to uh, the British Isles, uh, a beautiful man named John, I can't, for the life of me, I can't remember his last name, but he was telling me all about this. And we walked over and we looked at this stone circle in the ground. He said that was where the first Celtic uh, community met. And, mm. and We've reproduced a, 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 it looked like a silo to me, but inside is a circle yeah. and the benches or pews were built into the circle and the, they would meet and there was no male, female issue. There was no hierarchy. There was no, if you had a word or you had a song or you had a prayer, you were invited to come and stand in the middle and share it. Wow, and that's the way they did it. And wow. eventually, eventually they had people coming. So they developed little schools. Uh, which would which would have been you know first kind of seminaries in the in the in the West uh, where people would come from all over and you'd have a teacher to come in for a couple of weeks or maybe a month or a year and he would or she would teach and people came and listened and then uh, that's the way they did it was this community and, and it, I thought this this was when in one eighty this is when Irenaeus was writing you know his against the heathens. Um, and Irenaeus, in one of my favorite quotes from him, he says, Our blessed Lord, who in his transcendent love became what we are to bring us to be what he is. Yeah. Mm. Dude, I read that in 1980s, and I thought, that, that, that's a different gospel than what I've grown up with. Right. I wanted right. to know more. And Athanasius, you know, his my, one of his my favorite. There's two. I mean, there's tons of them, but two two of my favorites from him is he said the God. Now Athanasius, you know, is writing in <clears throat> in the early period, and uh, he was at Nicaea in 425 at 19 years old. He wrote this on the on the uh, incarnation of the Word of God and another book, a companion volume called Against the Heathen, when he was in you know his 20s. But in those two books, there are two quotes in particular. The first one is from uh, on the incarnation. He says, the God of all is good <laughs> and supremely noble by nature. Therefore, he is the lover of the human race. Excuse me, that's in, that's in against the heathens. Therefore, he is the lover of the human race. So for Athanasius, God is not good on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. Right to some, to some on Monday, Tuesday, he is good by nature, and that means all the time. Man. Therefore, he is the lover of the human race. And then, fast, you know, to, uh, to his other book on the incarnation, he says, "What then was God being good hmm. to do when His creation is on the road to ruin?" Yeah. So I read that it when I was in my early twenties, uh, and I thought, "I did this. <laughs> this is." I mean, it just, I, I mean, grew up Presbyterian. Yeah. I didn't know about words of knowledge and yeah. getting whacked in the Holy Ghost and all that kind of stuff. I'd never heard anything, but I'm sitting there just like, oh man, this is, this is staggering. So I said, who is Athanasius? And then I came across Irenaeus and then I came across Gregory Nazianzus and then Hillary. 
And I'm like, wow, this is a brotherhood and a, a fellowship. And, and then Gregory Nazianzus and, I mean, uh, Basil and Gregory Nissa brothers, their sister, Macrina, was the theologian in the family. She taught all of them everything. And I'm like, I, and then I discovered the Torrance brothers. Wow. I'm, I'm like, wow, these, these things are, ke- are connecting. And now I'm just sitting yeah. there thinking, this, this is a long arc. And let me tell you, it doesn't start. It doesn't start even with Jesus. I mean, in terms of incarnation, sure, it does it starts with Mary's yes? Yeah. But there's a long-standing Trinitarian discussion that's going on in the Old Testament. Wow, and that starts in Genesis um, with when the three men met Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre. One of those men turns out to be Yahweh Himself. Hmm. The other two go down to Sodom. And they're met by Lot, and Lot doesn't address them as men or even angels, but as my Yahwehs. Wow. There's three Yahwehs yeah. in that story. Wow. And then you then you read carefully through. I mean, it's a whole lot going on in the Old Testament, quote Old Testament, that is very much in this Trinitarian discussion. And they had, uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm working on a, at least an article on that, so that we can know we're we're not inventing anything. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's I think that's the big movement that's happening right now is uh, it's not any kind of a reformation. It's more of a recapturing or a reconciliation of original vision and thought yes. and, and bring it in into clear focus and bring it into modern language. You know, we got a rich history of Scots Irish right here in the Carolinas. Uh, oh, and, you know, I can appreciate your language around bless your heart because um, we have to we have to bless a lot of people's hearts. But. You're right, Baxter. Um, for me, Athanasius was such a gateway drug into. I mean, once you once you start really seriously getting uh, thought around the incarnation, you, you can't have any separation. You just absolutely can't. And um, your you know your thoughts on the undiluted gospel that in that day you will know that I am in the Father. The Father is in me, and and, the, and I will be in you. No, he, um, we, in, 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 the, in that day, you will know I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. You are in me. That, that's right. the revolution. There, yeah. one verse. We 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 dub that the moonshine gospel here in the Carolinas. Um, <laughs> so, hundred fifty truth, man. It, it is, and so I. But back to pay, people that paved the way. I just want to. I just want to say how thankful we are for men like you who probably didn't have a pulpit or a church audience. And I know Jason wants to ask this question, and I think it's an important question because now, now the floodgates are opening and the message cannot be stopped. It just can't. This, this restoration message cannot be stopped. Jason, you wanted to say something about, about well, Jackson, Mississippi. <laughs> well, well, I'll, I'll, I'll say, uh, I, I lived in Jackson. If you, if you don't recall, I lived there for five years and, um, and and the two things that I have as an artist is Jesus is perfect theology and God's in a good mood. Basically, I can sum up <laughs> my transformative journey as uh, I, I clung to Jesus as perfect theology and God is good, essentially, as Jesus reveals him to be. In Jackson, um, I've been here 20 years, but in Jackson, man, it's the buckle of the Bible belt. Um, of course, Baptist is the, the predominant thing that's happening there. I, I know that you can go to a church in Jackson every, uh, live to be a hundred and go to a different church every Sunday. You wouldn't hit them all. Um, and I, in my season there, um, contending for Jesus's perfect theology 
even even before I even fully had that that under my belt. Um, those were my hardest five years of my life um, within the church. I felt isolated, alienated, disconnected, um, uh, uh, suffocated, and uh, love the people. Uh, have incredible lifelong friendships built in that place. But but you you started off this whole thing by saying you could tell that story. I would imagine for many, many years, you you didn't have an invite in your hometown. Um, and I'm curious how you navigated that tension, maybe in your own in your own walk. Uh, Bruce, I was listening to Bruce uh, walk up the other day, and he said, uh, and I'm curious if you could to tie these things together, because he said in 20, uh, for 20 years, he taught union into a room. So you had 100 people in the room, and for, he taught union, and one of them would get it. And then something happened, something shifted. And, and in 2018, 2019, you walk into a room, you teach union, and all of a sudden, <gasps> eyes are opening up and hearts are expanding. And suddenly, we've got access to it. And I'm curious um, if you could speak to the journey that you've been on, the, the awakening uh, from delusion. Because I, I think we've all navigated uh, delusion. I know that that's that's been my journey. I'm I'm so thankful for the for me for me. I'll, I'll end with this, man. Uh, I'm I sit here and I and I'm amazed by how you were able to take us. We have a saying in my house: "Family is the long game," or "Love is the long game." You just took us through the long game of love. You just showed us the the, the generational depth of this message. And yet I do feel like we're in an awakening moment. I'd love for you to speak to that and in light of where you are, in light of uh, the hometown, the place you call home. Mm, that, um, well, you, one of the things you said was the people. You love the people. That, and so we're, we have here in our state a, a Christian community that is uh, a group of people who uh, are very, very good. It's not, not unlike in John McLeod Campbell's church in Scotland. His people were good. They were faithful. Um, but he said every time he preached on the love of God, it just bounced off. Yeah. And that's why he began to dig into what's going on here. And he realized he wrote the book, Nature of the Atonement, because he realized as long as we have a framework where Jesus is completely different than the Father, right. because Jesus can not only become one with us and enter into our darkness and the father can't abide it. Um, and as long as we have a view of, of atonement where Jesus is taking uh, uh, the wrath of God that's aimed at us and it's, he's taking it on board himself because of his love for us. It's like, this is a split in the indivisible oneness of the father, son, and spirit. So he, he wrote a book called the nature of the atonement try, trying to address that. Huh. And there's a, an addition of that book with JB Torrance. My professor wrote an introduction. Um, that's the one to get and plow through it. It's not easy reading, but it's uh, amazing. But anyway, I mean, I ha I've never had any aspirations for being a preacher or a theologian, but something happened around age 10 uh, to me. My mother, whenever she would hear me tell the story, she would always correct me. She said, back to you were born this way. I was there. <laughs> and, um, uh, she said, we used to wonder all the time what, what you were thinking about. Um, but some, I do, I do remember at age 10, thereabouts, fourth grade was a big year for me on a lot of levels. But one was just sitting in my Presbyterian church in Prentice, uh, Calvinist church. And I'm grateful for that in many ways because the pastor, man, his sermons were theologically driven. 
Yeah. And we, and we studied the Bible. I mean, it's a wonderful foundation. But yeah. at 10 years old, these verses started ticker, ticker taping across my mind, sitting there beside my dad and my brothers and my mom. Um, and you shall know the truth and truth shall set you free. Wow. Verses that I learned in that church. In yeah. Sunday school. Yeah. Um, out of your innermost being will flow li- rivers of living water. Joyous liberation of the sons of God, daughters of God. Uh, joy unspeakable, full of glory. Um, from Peter. And, and I know now this, this would have been 50 years ago. I look back and I see that what was going on there was Jesus. He wasn't saying anything about anybody in that room. He was asking me a question. And the question was, are you content that your present experience of life is the freedom and is the life and is the river of living water that I promised you? Wow. And, and all I know is I must've said no. (laughs) <laughs> um, uh, but again, my mother says you were, you came out of the womb wrestling with all this. So I I didn't set out to do anything other than answer questions. And when I was in college at Ole Miss, my junior year, uh, it, uh, I was I had been the rush chairman for our fraternity. So you know we we liked to party. But at the end of the parties at two thirty in the morning, I'd find myself in the field behind my dormitory, just walking and praying. And think, Lord, it's got to be more. I mean, yeah. you know. So he he was leading me all along um, the way in my life, and I, I didn't know anything about where we we're going. But that's when I first read Athanasius was when I was a senior in college. Wow. And um, and when I read those two quotes, um, I, I thought this this is this is lit me up. Um, I mean, it, it, it absolutely lit me up. And so at another point in my life in 2013, um, I was with a group of, uh, called Operation Restored Warrior, um, out in, at this time in, in Colorado. And they had a program that they had developed called, um, the Drop Zone, which was designed to heal, uh, particularly men, special ops of, um, uh, PTSD and, and suicidal ideation and combat yep. stress disorder and some of this. I mean, the, and so the guy there asked me and Paul Young if we would, if we would be involved in his ministry and somehow and I said, I want to be, but I want to go through the program. And yeah. I said, do you allow civilians to go through? And he said, I'll, I'll, we'll get you in. So he called me one day, he said, October, such and such a date. He said, all you got to do is get here. We'll take care of the rest. So I said, I'm, I'm in. So I'm you know, on the way up there. When I get there, I'm surrounded by all these men that have been, you know, they were special ops people. They weren't even just military. And I'm, I'm yeah. a theologian. And anyway, during that, that week, it was amazing five days. Uh, but one of the things that happened was we were we were given a list of questions and told to go and talk to God, talk to Jesus. So I walk outside under a pavilion. It's five or six chairs that obviously had been in a circle. And I'm standing on the pavilion looking out over uh, at, at uh, Vail Mountain. Beautiful. Massive, massive high valley, Vail Mountain in in the background. Yeah, and um, and I'm asking Jesus these questions, and one of the questions was, Jesus, how do you see me? Mm. Man, <laughs> wow. and this is a very raw moment because it's it, all distractions have been removed in the two three days before then, and your heart's wide open, yeah. and I'm like, so I just I fell down on my hands and knees. And I said, Jesus, I don't know what's going on, but I want to say thank you for for John and Paul and Peter and Irenaeus and Athanasius. And I was coming through history just like I did with you guys. Yeah. And I mean, I am crying my eyes out. And I said, Jesus, I don't get this. Hmm. 
I, I don't get this. What what are you trying to say? You know I'm thick. I don't. And he said, Baxter. You love these men because you're one of them. <laughs> and that's how I see you. <laughs> and I said, I, I'm not arguing. I'm, I'm like, yes, sir. That doesn't make much sense to me. Um, and that was, you know, 10 years ago. And that doesn't make much sense to me. But I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm, I'm receiving that and I'm owning that. <laughs> but in the 10 years since then, I, I realized, and during that very day, that the next sequence, was he said, you remember how when you were little, you'd sit on the swing on your front porch and you were thinking about union with me. I said, yeah. He said, that was me. You remember how you discovered Athanasius in college? I said, yeah. He said, that was me. Yeah. Remember how you, and he walked me through my life at significant moments of revelation. And he said, I've been discipling you your whole life. Uh, I've been walking with you. Um, and now I'm calling you. I'm commissioning you, he said. Yeah. And I said, okay. Wow. He said, I know how you feel about the church. This is not the church. This is me. Wow. I'm convinced to you. You go tell people that they're in me and I'm in them. And I did that. Wow. Before you go, Derek, I just. No, go ahead. This, um, my question, you answered it. I've told the story, so I won't do that here. The most profound shift in my life was a conversation that took two years to come to the, the entirety of my life, but then two very in, intentional, intense years where it ultimately came down to the, the father having two conversations. One uh, at the same time, one thought was, Hey, this is who I am. And uh, Jesus defined it. You don't get a say in it. And secondly, this is how I see you. And, and you don't get a say in that either. And, and the, it transformed everything. And, and what it did was it settled the issue of me being called a heretic. And it gave me a love for the, because the thing that I was really trying to ask is how did you navigate? Um, it, it settled any insecurity and any desperation in my life because up to that point I had been labeled and of course would continue to be labeled but I had really wrestled with the church that shifted everything. So suddenly I had, I had a grace and a peace uh, to be able to navigate all the name calling and all the other stuff and the rejection. And, uh, uh, but that was after my time in Jackson. So <laughs> that's a profound for me. Um, Cause I, the, the, I can't imagine the sense of rejection you've experienced and, and disconnect over the years. That has been brutally painful, Uh, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I don't focus on that as much as I saw something that was too beautiful for words. Wow. And I knew it was ours and I couldn't get to it. Wow. Uh, I knew you can't can't unsee it. You can't unsee it. Yeah. It's impossible. Well, and I like, and this is, and I, y'all know me a little bit, but I, I absolutely have no condemnation for anybody. Yeah. This is a family, uh, just like in a, in a regular family, your parents bless you and, and they hand on some baggage. Yeah. And you're meant to deal with the baggage and bless them for getting you where you were. That's so So good. I blessed my family. I blessed my church. I blessed the Western mind. In, but I don't have to carry on the baggage. Um, and for me, it was yeah. never, and Paul Young and I have talked about this, because people are always saying, thank you for your courage. Thank you. And I'm like, it's, it's not courage. It's desperation. <laughs> Um, you can you can be told that you're going to a fine restaurant and you're served cardboard, and everybody in the room is raving about it. <laughs> but you have tasted a, a perfectly 
cooked fillet. <laughs> and you can't call this cardboard great. Yeah. And of course, everybody in the room is like, who are you? You know, you arrogant. Who are you to disagree? Right. But that's not the issue. The issue is, was the steak that I ate real? Yeah. And if it was real, why would I settle for anything less? So the, the book Patmos, the novel is about a burned out suicidal theologian from Mississippi. <laughs> And uh, and I live in Brandon, by the way. It's outskirts yeah. of Jack. I was in Madison. Oh. Yeah, that, well, that, Madison is is the other um, side. Yeah, yeah. The other side. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, Patmos is about that, and so he discovers he time travels. Aiden does. Yeah. Um, and he ends up on the Isle of Patmos with Apostle John for three years. But his story, Aiden's story, is: Look, I have tried. Five, four denominations, charismatic renewal. I've been to therapy. I've been to uh, all kinds of studied the early church. I mean, it's it's like I wanted people in the Western world to feel <laughs> what I felt. Yeah. yeah. But not without hope. And I never had, it was never without hope. I knew. And Aiden says it two or three times in the book. He says, the question has, he says, I know Jesus is the answer to our ills. Yeah. That has not ever been the question for me. The question is how, and why would I? Why would Aiden or me or anybody else accept a blasé answer to a question like that? Yeah, right. Yeah. And the, re- the reason for the, it, the it's it's like who's going to run that risk? Because and, and again, when I was and this had to be somewhere around thirteen, um, my. Uh, Mother was helping my older brother Stephen uh, earn his merit badge in, in poetry so he could become an Eagle Scout. And all I can figure is it must have been raining outside because I was in the room with them rather than outside playing. And they were memorizing Rudyard Kipling's uh, poem "If." And when this one line just just boom, <laughs> and it was, "If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs." And blaming it on you, you will be a man, my son. I had no idea what it meant, but it stuck. Yeah, it resonated. Around the same time, uh, in class, in school, the teacher was reading us the story of Balboa crossing the Isthmus of of Panama. And I I internalized it. I see that now, but I could see the jungle and the snakes and the mosquitoes and the alligators and all the, the creepy things. And he was slashing his way across and everybody's giving up. And he says, I know there's a beach. I know mm-hmm. there's a beach. I'm going to find it. And he would not let it go. And he found it. And I can, and when she talked about him looking out over the Pacific ocean, I felt it. So I didn't wow. know. I, mean, I, I didn't even know that I was remembering either, either of those things, but I realized now they were gifts of the spirit to me very early on. So, to me, it's never been about the condemnation. Yeah. And I, I will tell you, I had a moment um, where an elder came to me. This is very early on. And he said, and I had been teaching through the Gospel of John. And he said to me, Baxter, you do not have the gift of teaching. <laughs> you are not edifying the body of Christ. <laughs> you are doing more harm than good. Mm. You need to go do something mm. else. Yeah. So that was a crisis moment for me where he, when he left, I just closed the door and I got on my hands and knees and, and I said, Jesus, you know, good and well, I have, I don't want to lead anybody astray. Yeah. 
I do not. Yeah. And I would rather work at Walmart. So let's go get, you know, open some doors. You want me to go to law school like my brothers did? What What do you want me to do? Wow. And, and we had a heart to heart. And, um, and, and I, from that moment on, I, I just thought, no, people, it, it's a risky proposition to think, to allow yourself to think that maybe our edifice is wrong. Yeah. Now, to right. Put, to put that in the gospel context of Jesus, I mean, the, in the gospel of John in, in chapter five, Jesus heals a man. He'd it, it been ill for 38 years. Pharisees come after Jesus and the man because he did it on the Sabbath, yeah. which I think Jesus did deliberately, <laughs> um, stirring the pot. So Jesus says, the father's at work till now and the son works. He says, I can only do what I see my father doing. The son, the father delights in the son, um, and shows him everything that he himself is doing. So right there, you have an astounding statement of the gospel. Yeah. The, one, the one who's face to face with the father, the one who is so in tune with him that he only does what he sees his father doing in their indivisible oneness. This one is standing here with you right yeah. now. And I'm here for one reason, and that is to share with you everything that I have with my father. So there's mm. the gospel. And the crisis is instantly there the same like. What then is this, this edifice, this complex thing yeah. that you've created that has nothing whatever to do with my father? Yeah. And like, right, yeah. that, so you see, that's what he says, the light shines in the darkness. And so mm -hmm. if you are one of those people standing there who sees something in that moment, I, I, want, I want that. <laughs> whatever it right. is that I have, Jesus, is a freedom not only to stand up here, but to, to live in the middle of this with a with a freedom yeah. and a joy and a river flowing out of yeah. him, you know, so it's, um, it's a brutally painful on one level and it's not anything that you ever get over. It hits you in waves. Yeah. Um, but let me tell you the difference when you walk in a room, <laughs> I'm talking 30 years now, yeah. you walk in a room and they are introducing you and you're walking up to the podium and you cannot remember a single verse in the Bible. <laughs> you cannot remember a single thing you've ever said or anything that you've ever read. And, and you get there and you, I mean, I, many times, and I would say, Holy Spirit, you got to give me something. Yeah. And it would be start with this story. And it was an internal dogfight to get through it because of the, of the room. I didn't know that. I would go back that night and just say, Lord, I wasn't prayed up enough. I had studied enough. And, you know, and, and, but then the next day you'd be in a different room. And I could feel it before I even geographically got to the place. I could feel the bubbling, yeah, in, you know, the river. And I would walk in the room, and it would be electric. Yeah, I mean, I remembered everything I had ever read. Some probably stuff I never read. Wow! And it just flowed <laughs> right out of yeah. me. And and it finally dawned on me after several years that actually this has nothing to do with you. Wow! That has everything to do with people where they are in that room at this moment. Wow! When wow. you walk in a room full of people who have tasted and want more, it goes. I mean, like one one pastor recently introduced me and John Crowder inside. He, he said, Baxter, speak as long as you want. Yeah. That that that's that was given to me in in Australia. And this is how Bruce and I got to be just so great. He recognized early on that there was, as he called it, the Lord had deposited gold in you, Baxter. We want to mine it. So every year for 20, 22 years, I went to Australia at least once. Wow. And, and, and they, they wanted to know. 
and it was electric. <laughs> in fact, one of my friends went with me on one of the trips, and he came, he came back, uh, and while we were there, he said, "Back," he said, "Why do you ever come back home?" So why don't you just move here? I mean, these people are just like clamoring. <laughs> and I said, because that's my home. Yeah. And I got grandkids. But I didn't have grandkids at this point. But let me tell you, <laughs> okay. my whole journey, you're all talking about journey. When we found out that Laura, our oldest daughter, was pregnant, we fell in love. We didn't know if it was a boy or girl. <laughs> it turned out to be a girl, named, and they named her Caroline, which has it got its own story. But anyway... That's my daughter's name, my firstborn. And every time you tell this story, man, I resonate hard with it. <laughs> I just, I just, all of my theology came together at two points in my life. One, when my son was born, we were living in Scotland yeah. in 87. The other was, um, was uh, with Caroline. Yeah. These are concrete existential moments. Because yeah. I, I just looked, I was holding Caroline. I said, I said, baby girl, you, you don't have the power to determine what I feel about yeah. you. Yeah. We loved you before you were here. You can't change how I feel about That's right. you. Now you can get caught in all kinds of stuff and start hating my guts and stuff, but you're not changing yeah. me. You don't have the power to. That's the gospel. The gospel is not a contract, which is what we've made. J.B. Tarrant said a thousand times every day that, that the gospel, uh, the story of the Bible is a covenant God, not a contract God, but we've turned it into a conditional contract. If you th do this yeah. and this, believe, repent, and all, then God will. Yeah. And we've transactional. It's it's not only yeah, it's transactional, but it's not only transactional. It you gotta be kidding me. What it actually is saying is you determine yeah. the being of God. Yeah, it's arrogant. Wow. So you think about that. If by faith we get across and God then loves us or accepts us or justifies us or whatever, if, if by our faith that I don't know a single human being on planet Earth who would actually say, I have moved beyond Lord, I believe, help my underwear. <laughs> That means that we're somewhere between belief and unbelief. So what's God the Father like? And everybody would say, he's your judge. He becomes your father. I'm like, come on, yeah. man. I mean, Nicaea settled out. Yeah. He placed the fatherhood of God before creation. Yeah. Fatherhood means relationship with Father, Son, and Spirit. It doesn't say we believe in God, Almighty, Maker of Heaven and Earth. It says we believe in one God, the Father, yeah. Almighty, Maker of Heaven and Earth. Places deliberately, theological intentionality places the Father son relationship before creation yeah creation doesn't make this relationship creation is the fruit of it and their love for us is as athanasius would say the early church would say and that string in scotland was saying so beautifully their love for us is settled yeah and yeah. so and i think that's that's why john started his gospel with in the beginning i think he wanted to trigger that and say hey wait a second guys there's an in the beginning before in the beginning <laughs> yeah and in the, and and, in the beginning you have face-to-face -face oneness of the father and right son. right so but that's so what erskine wrote this book called the spiritual order i was saying something about earlier but um but in that book he he says we either see in terms of probation that god created us gave us gifts and callings and is watching us and to see what we will do with this. And in the end, there's going to be a great evaluation. And some of us are going to be doomed to the, you know, as I say, to the rotisserie, but doomed to hell forever and the wrath of God. And some of us are going to be accepted. He said, that's either the way we see it or we see it as God created, the Father created us in Jesus Christ yeah. as children. And we're here to be educated. Wow. 
and I don't mean informed in a mind alone. I mean educated. And he says, until we embrace the blessedness and the goodness and the faithfulness and the mercy of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and it becomes as much ours, freely flowing from us as it is theirs. Wow. And so that's that's the difference between a covenant and a contract. Yeah. And Erskine mm. in the early eighteen hundred, mid eighteen hundreds was hammering that out. Um, along, like I said, with if you read if you read William William Law's book, and this was I, I'm thinking this is early late seventeen sixteen hundreds early seventeen hundreds when he wrote um, the fruit of the spirit and the the fruit of love. I'm just mind boggling how he goes on and on about how about God the Father cannot do anything to hurt anyone else. His <laughs> love, his love is love, and it's determined to bless us. And it, even in our rejection of his blessing, he's determined to bless us. And, and as George MacDonald would say. We don't have a pocket big enough to hold the blessing and the love of God for us. So what does he do? He's helping us build a, big, a bigger wow. pocket. That's mm, education. That's an education. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Derek, um, I love doing this with you. Love uh, what God is doing uh, in and through our lives, the connection, the reconnection over these last years. Uh, what uh, the, the favor in life on on Rethinking God with Tacos, whether it's the Facebook group uh, or the Zoom calls and the, the ones we have in the future, just uh, life-giving. And a, a fulfillment of the vision that I had nine years ago when we stepped away from pastoring full-time to start a Family Story Ministries. A Family Story Ministries was meant to create content catalytic for an encounter with the love of God. I mean, it was that simple. And, and, uh, and it was very empowering for me to then lean into writing, lean into obviously uh, speaking and teaching, uh, and, and led to the start of this podcast almost five years ago. A Family Story is a nonprofit, and it's, um, it's been uh, the home for, for me for nine years as we've leaned in. And so anyway, I, I just wanted to share a little bit about the, the beginning of A Family Story. And, and I remember you saying... Uh, coming out of COVID that, hey, guys, we started a podcast. And you you and Sarah were, were one of our earliest guests. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and it definitely is content that is catalytic for an encounter with the love of God. Uh, we've yeah. experienced that by joining forces together. Yep. Uh, but I want, I want all of our listeners to know that this is a listener-funded podcast. And uh, Rethinking God with Tacos has kind of taken on a life of its own in the umbrella of a family story but a family story is your livelihood jason um, <laughs> i i get a salary from the church that i pastor and uh I, I donate my time and volunteer my time to do this but i want everybody to know that uh you can give to make rethinking god with tacos available to as many people as we can possibly mm. make it available to if, it, if this podcast has in any way uh, blessed you helped shape your rethinking journey and been a safe place to experience community on the facebook page then i, I invite you to uh to give not out of compulsion or arm twisting no. but out of uh, out of joy and yeah. generosity uh give into a family story and you can do it at a family story.org there's a giving function on there and we invite you into partnership with us. That's a way that we can partner together to establish the kingdom of God through this podcast. Uh, and I love doing it with you, Jason. I really do. Yeah, yeah same here, man. Thank you. So grateful uh, for those who have 
given and who, who blessed us and, and have prayed for us and partnered with us over the years. So love it. Love doing this with you. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you all soon. I mean, one of the reasons that the incarnation just began to be an obsession for me was because the Lord, I mean, just dropped it in my mind is that I became, I became one of you to rescue all of you. Um, my bride. you know, what God becomes his creation. Well, ours does. And, and the value that that placed on human beings and me in particular, that's what changed everything. You know, I grew up in a very strong word of faith context. We talked about it at one of your meetings in Jackson. Um, you know, I, I used to work for Kenneth Copeland. And uh, when, I, when I lost my, my first wife to a drunk driver, she was seven months pregnant. She was Kenneth and Gloria Copeland's niece. Uh, I began to start asking some serious questions because I was being told. And in that context, God doesn't cause anything steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't let steal, kill, and destroy pass through his hands. But... You opened the door. Somehow you opened the door to the enemy, and that's why this happened. And now you got to change your faith and, you know, grow in your faith so that this never happens again. And um, when I started to question those kind of things, and I realized that my view of God was so wrong, like, uh, you know, what's his name? McDonald says, or is it McDonald or... That the things that we believe of God will be will become disgusted basically by the things that we used to believe about God, and that's I think what a lot of our the people that I'm working with in our church that Jason and I are working with in the rethinking God with Tacos community, and we're growing from so many different directions. But what we're seeing is it's that understanding of not only how you think about God, but how He thinks about you that just it breaks everything down. And I, I love your example of the guy cutting through the jungle, cutting through, cutting through the delusion. Cause he knows there's a beach on the other side <laughs> and, and he's coming to capture our hearts as well. Jesus was that one. He is that one. And that Christ in you, the hope of glory now becomes every single person on the planet is having an Emmaus road experience and they just don't know it, but there's right. going to be those moments where the awakening takes place and you can't unsee it after that. I'm seeing this with neighbors. They don't even profess faith in Jesus. They don't come to church. They are not engaged in anything, but I have a 20 year relationship with them and they're asking me to marry their, their kids, you know, because there's a, there's a connection of love and light that's happening. And the union that we're experiencing is, is the joy that the father was experiencing with us. And Baxter, I just, man, I want to thank you for for opening eyes to this and being faithful for so long um, because I think we're on the precipice of something new and I'm not even calling it a revival to me. I just, I, I have an unpopular opinion about the reformation that it didn't really reform anything. And it just was the biggest church split in human history. And although there was some great, great information and revelation that came out of that, we're still needing to plow back to get the ultimate restoration of, of this, uh, yeah, this yeah. union that we experience. I mean, I got several things to say on that. But first, um, read Calvin's Institutes, read his commentaries. He's, mm -hmm. he, Calvinism is nowhere. It's just long. I mean, it's like 20 minutes after Calvin died, they went back to rationalism. Right. Uh, that's not Calvin. What Calvin is trying to do, it, it once you read the early fathers and then you go to Calvin, you go, oh, my gosh. He's quoting Athanasius, Irenaeus, Gregory Nazianzus, Hillary, right, left, and center. Uh, he's quoting Augustine a lot because that was the two that was – coming out of the Catholic, you know, framework, that was their main person. But Calvin right. was 
unite two traditions and he did he did a great job uh but he got still caught up in 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 augustine's double predestination thing and and there's no limited atonement in calvin he he sees right. he's way too good a biblical scholar to to fall for that one but it's inconsistent with what he says about election but nevertheless it's there but notice i, I actually I think he was right about election. He's just way off on the numbers. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. What, that's what, it's all. It's everyone. We we shall have a correct definition of faith if we call it a firm and certain knowledge of the benevolence of the Father toward us, grounded upon, founded upon the freely given promise in Jesus Christ, both revealed to our minds and sealed upon our hearts in the Holy Spirit. That's mm. God's help. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Now, you can't have... <laughs> those things unless somebody's telling you you're in you're loved you're included and the calvinists can't say that so they water the gospel down to something like god loves sinners and even there they're lying because it's god loves some <laughs> sinners in their prayer. so wash that part of it away but keep the heart yeah. but but also right. but also through this the connection that we're seeing uh that has been there the whole time this this stream i don't know much about the medieval uh world but i guarantee you it's there too it probably was there in the mystics. Crowder would know more about that part of it. Um, but I'm saying we're, we're mainstream. I'm not giving up the word evangelical. Modern American evangelicals are really neo-Aryans. They don't believe that Jesus is God in the sense that he's the eternal creator and sustainer of all things. Uh, there's not anything that he's not holding together. Um, so the rod of iron, this has been a place of trouble for me for, you know, in Psalm 2, and it's picked up in different places in the prophets and then in John, in, in, in the book of Revelation. And I, one day it dawned on me, what if the rod of iron is Jesus' union with us in our delusion? Beautiful, hmm. yeah. What if he's brought his Father and the Holy Spirit with him inside our delusion and we can't kill him again? He's not going away. So inside of everybody on earth is a, is a litmus test. Hmm. They're, they're longing for home. They don't know what it is or where it is. And we're all falling for all kind of different charlatans along the way. But there's something that's guiding us. It's something that's showing us uh, and leading us. And that would be Jesus himself in the spirit with his father. So I tell people all the time these days, I, I pray. I said, Lord, raise up some people with some means that will make billboards appear all over the world. And the first billboard is just to, Jesus is in you. Ask him. That's good. Yeah. No, no dot, 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 visit. No, not just Jesus is in you. Ask him. And then three miles down the road, ask Jesus if you brought his father and the Holy Spirit with him. <laughs> now, the reason we hadn't thought of that before now is because we've been trapped in the separation yeah. framework. Yeah. It's not right. true. Yeah. And the Calvinists are not only in the separation framework, they're in a framework where God doesn't love everybody. Yeah. Because God right. is love. Yeah. He just loves some on some days kind of thing. Um, the, it's, it, but it's changing. It's changing rapidly. The, uh, the, uh, I get your thoughts on this because I, uh, the, um, when I was raised in the context of separation, and I know I'm bringing up hell, but maybe I'm bringing it up as an artist. I'm thinking in the, I'm not, I may, I'm not the smartest man in the room, but I know what love is. So, uh, I used to think that hell was the separation. God separated himself from us, but I could never, I could never figure that out because it didn't work in the context. As, as you said, I'm a practical theologian, a relational theologian it has to work in my family. It has to work in the context of my relationship with my wife, and with my kids, and even with what I'd experienced. So that never lined up. So I had to wrestle with the 
the disparity of what I knew to be true about love and the theology of separation I've been given. Then maybe 15 years ago, I came to this thought. I thought, well, hell is the ability to reject love. Um, still in the spirit of separation, I became, I finally came to a place probably in the last 10 years, got me in a lot of trouble, but hell is, is potentially the inability to, to perceive or receive love. And it's, it's connected to this thought here. You know, if the eye is clear, the body's full of light. If the eye is cloudy, the body's full of darkness. If then the light within you, where is the light? It's within you. But if it's within you, Mm. but you perceive it poorly, how great is that darkness? And, and, um, I would, I would love to me, that's the delusion that, that, that the reason that I brought it up, as you said, there's this, you want to have a billboard where ask Jesus, uh, you know, talk to Jesus as though he's already in you. I was like, man, that was the great liberty for me to realize I can walk along the planet and realize that the light is within every single one of us. And so you Mm -hmm. can actually go inside and begin to talk to him. But, um, I, then the invitation to, to talk to father and Holy spirit. I think that's the the beginning of the cleaning of the lens. Am I on to something? Yes. Yeah, it's, to me, it's like the, the life, the love, the communion of the Father, Son, Spirit is in everyone inside the delusion, and it's tapping on the bottom of the brain, knocking on the door saying, hey, guys, you got to listen. So if you want to talk about what hell is, hell is a person who's in Jesus and is profoundly ignorant of it, or resisting it and creating their own world yeah. and trying yeah. to, and trying to impose that world on people around them, husbands, wives, friends, family, churches, denominations, <laughs> yeah. nations, yeah. you know, that's, that's hell, yeah. but it's not, it's not outside of Jesus. It's, it's in many ways, it's because he's in us. He's been in us the whole time. What has happened in the incarnation and in the cross is the descent of Jesus finding his way inside our delusion. Yeah. And now the crisis is on. Now we know better, but we don't. And so that's the thing that's going on inside of each and every human being. We know better, but we don't have any options in front of us. We've not heard. We've been trapped in this one framework. Well, what we're offering is not an option. It's the original. Yeah, right. You're going to be called all manner of evil expected. I mean, you're disturbing the apple cart and you're serving, you know, as I say, in the entire denominations. What then is this thing that you have created here? It has nothing right. to do with me and my father. It does have something to do with it because the people involved, you know, have or have uh, the life of the Father, Son, and Spirit with them, and they love their kids. and And nobody lives up to their theology. I mean, even the Calvinists they don't they don't treat people like you know dogs. Right. I mean, this is this is interesting. You see that in a, a small town in this country. I'm sure at other places at a funeral and during the wedding. Because at a funeral and during wedding, everybody drops their denominational you know things and goes in it, and now we're relating to one another on the basis of the way that we relate to one another all during the week. Yeah, and I have great respect for this friend that died. He was Catholic, yeah. or he was atheist, or he was whatever. Right. But I'm here because I'm 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 telling the whole world that there's more going on here than our denominational theological divide. There's something that's connecting yeah. us, even though we're poles apart theologically are poles apart in, in terms of our politics. Yeah. Something, and that's not a something, it's Jesus. <laughs> well, so I, would, I would say that something is, is love, is that God is love and he is residing through the, the work of Jesus and the finished work within you. And so to me then, if you want to talk about the evangelical 
culture where I think, I think it kind of went really sideways was the focus got so much on getting people saved as opposed to loving people well, because what I've experienced is that when we truly operate out of a motive of love and loving people well, it begins to wake up within them. Well, what it does is it melts the fear of the delusion so that the Christ within can come alive and come, come to the forefront. Love absolutely melts the heart of fear and the delusion. Uh, at least that's been my experience. So that, that now there's no pressure in, you know, going out on a street corner and screaming at people. There's no pressure at knocking on doors. There's the just living this life in a day of loving well everywhere you go, everywhere you go. And that's what dropped in my heart as a little kid, Baxter. You reminded me of it when when you were talking about your young experience. I just, for some reason, I read that verse that love is the greatest and that God is love and Jesus did love and said love that I just want to focus on on what would love do here? What 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 would love do in this situation? And then receive from the Holy Spirit. He, who knows exactly what love would do in that situation? And then it's more about it's it no longer is insiders and outsiders or us and them. It's people that have been awakened and people who need to be awakened. I, well, do, really, do you see we're that? On, we're on a single continuum. It's just you mm. know some people are a little bit, are two or three steps ahead. Some people two or three steps behind. But we're all being educated. Yeah. In the Holy Spirit, wow. whether we believe in God or not at this point. Um, I remember playing baseball in uh, when I was in high school and played in the summer league in another town. And, and there was one guy, He, we were all friends on our team. And we, cared, we cared about each other, whatever. We were warming up one day, just throwing back. And this guy was standing right here. He was throwing that way, and I was. There's a big line of us back and forth, so warming up. And, and I could tell he was super nervous. And I, I thought, what's going on, man? We're playing baseball. And anyway, he finally threw the ball and he turned to me and said, you got saved yet? <laughs> and I, I, said, I, said, I said, yeah. He said, oh, okay. And so it went on. You know, it's like there was so much pressure from his system yeah. that forced him to overlook the relationship that we had. And he, he, and he liked me, so he had to make sure that I wasn't going to burn in hell. And he just blurted out, you got saved yeah. yet? And as long as I could give the right answer to that. <laughs> Uh, we're we're good, and I remember been there. I think, wow, wow, man, you know this is um, but but it is about who the character and nature of God as Father, Son, and yeah. Spirit before creation. So I, what and the revelation to us of both the nature of God and the will of God is the incarnation itself, the becoming human on the part of Jesus and his descent into the flesh. What does that reveal? It reveals that God wants to be with us and wants us with him. <laughs> it, it reveals the extent to how far that God is willing yeah. to go. He's willing to to submit himself to be damned and cursed and murdered mm. by the very people that he loves right. so that he, Father, Son, and Spirit, are now inside not only our our humanity, anthropos, John says the word became sarks, flesh. He's entering into our uh, delusion. And now a whole new, uh, fresh um, conversation has begun to happen when Jesus uh, died at, at our hands. And we, this is so beautiful to me, we, our contribution was to damn him and to kill him. 
and, and the Father, Son, and Spirit took our will to damn and kill and transfigured that into a new union with us in our delusion. And now comes the age of crisis and liberation. So mm. that's the rod of iron that's leading the nations. And, and in the midst of all this chaos that we're experiencing right now around the world, but particularly here in our country too, I go back to Psalm 2 again and again and again. Who is this? Why did the nations rage and, and plot against the Lord and his Messiah? And then you hear, but, but it's for me. I have installed my king in Zion. You know, kiss the son lest he be angry with you and you perish in a way. It's just, so while we have all this pretense, the politicians are playing kings and queens and power brokers and all this global world reset and all this grandiose stuff. Let me tell you, Jesus is even holding all of us together right now. And we're going to come to see what is because he and his father and the Holy Spirit do not do abandonment. They love and they're determined to educate us in their love so that the day is coming. And as George McDonald says, it may take eons, but the day is coming where we will have the love of the father himself, the grace of Jesus and the, the quantity of the Holy Spirit flowing out of us all the time. Yeah. And we won't need a law in the high country because we'd be so filled with their being in nature that it would never cross our mind to do harm to any creature. And if we thought we did, we would quickly make it right. Yeah. And 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 we would also and this this is a big one for me. And this is coming out of McDonald's framework and and, and uh, Thomas Erskine because you know in Calvinism I grew up with we were taught, especially got this in college when I would go to these Calvinist meetings. Um, that that we will rejoice in heaven seeing the suffering of people in, in hell because their suffering is glorifying the the, the divine justice yeah. of God. Yeah. Even if it's your own children or your wife or your yeah. husband or friends or whatever. And, I, I just, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> and then McDonald, McDonald um, I, I'm translating and, and putting his thought into my own words. What do you suppose you would do as you stand beside Jesus, full of his compassion and love and grace and even his wrath, which is opposition to death, our death, but uh, our destruction? And you see someone in the far off abyss. You say, will you not ask Jesus, indeed beg him, that you can do what Jesus did and incarnate yourself in that delusion so that you could sit beside that brother, the last Judas of his race, and sit beside him in order to give him a least bit of comfort, and would not the joy that you felt there be even better than the joy that you feel in the glories of heaven? And I saw mm. the cloud of witnesses is not watching people burn and going, yay, God's being vindicated. The cloud of witnesses is doing what Jesus did. How can I incarnate myself in this situation and give myself up for their benefit? That's who God is all the time. Yeah. That's what's wow. so real. This is a the incarnation is revelation yeah. to us in the psych unit. It's God becoming human being to be with us and to be with us in our mess and then to straighten out that mess. And then when you add the layer of what my professor called the all-inclusive vicarious humanity of Jesus, it becomes even more clear and beautiful. And that is when he died, we died. When he rose, we rose. When he ascended, we ascended. There is no um, no uh, list of the evil empire against us. It carries no weight. It's been canceled yeah. out. We have been lifted up and we're home and we're now beginning to at least look around for it. And and as that happens, as good people despair and 
the Holy Spirit raises up prophets, and I'm, I'm and a prophet is someone who preaches Jesus in you. Yeah, the testimony of Jesus right. is the spirit of the prophets, yeah. and the, and the Holy Spirit's been doing that around the world, and, and you put the, that that uh, that woman or that man who is being led. Uh, recovering the ancient gospel in the room with people who are despairing, maybe even secretly despairing. Boom, revelation happens. And it's it's like I always said, the Holy Spirit carries a big old huge uh, bottle of Windex spraying over the eyes of our of our hearts. <laughs> go, go and have a look at Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1. Just have a careful look at that. And, and for that matter, in his prayer in Ephesians 3. But Ephesians yep. 1 in particular. The eyes of their understanding. Being enlightened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 Baxter. God, the God of glory would give to you the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the the, the greatness of his uh, power at work in the saints, etc. Yeah. I mean, the whole, the whole wow. prayer is uh, this is what's happened in Jesus. This is what's real. Now, I'm praying for you to see yeah. it. That's it. Yeah. I'm just praying for you to see it. And what does it take in terms of your own personal journey? What does it take for you to come to a place where you begin to despair? Yeah. You know, you begin to realize, I, I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know what life is. Um, you know, I don't even know what holiness is. I don't know what salvation Jesus. I don't know how to get from where right. I am. Green pasture. Yeah. And, and there's a reason it's called the good news. <laughs> it, yeah. And that was a big question I had in seminary was, why are we calling this good news? Because it's not good right. news. Right. It's news. It's, um, I heard a, a pastor recently at a funeral. Um, <laughs> Blessedly, there weren't there weren't many people there, but um, an, an old pastor, and he had all the. <laughs> I, I was sitting there with my daughter Laura and and uh, Caroline and Cooper, our two oldest grandchildren, were there, and uh, the preacher says, "Jesus is the good shepherd." <laughs> And he can be your shepherd too if you repent and believe in the gospel. And I, I saw Laura just go cringe because, you know, her two oldest are there. And I'm sitting there going, I'm trying not to laugh, seriously. <laughs> so we get in the car and have a conversation. And I turn around and looked at Caroline, who was six at the time. And I said, Caroline, I said, you know something? I said, Our faith does not make Jesus I am, and our repentance does not make him good, and our obedience does not make him the shepherd. And she looked at me and I said, that's who Jesus is. Yeah. He is the good shepherd. Yeah. All the yeah. Time. Yeah. I just, just, I mean, you take those two statements. He is the good shepherd, but he, he can be yours, too. Yeah. That's separation. That's the identity of yeah. Jesus. So he's not good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It can't be, but that's the, that's just the conditionality of it as opposed to, no, he is the good. This with good news is we have a shepherd who is good all the time. And, and oh, by the way, he happens to be the eternal son of God. And he lives within you. Yeah. I, I, uh, From the inside out, not the outside yeah, out. Right. I, um, you so, know, I, the, I've yeah. had this prayer uh, many times. It's There's such liberty here. Baxter, because I, I, I've told this story. I actually wrote a book under the title "Leaving and Finding Jesus," but it, it came from a story where, in the the very shortest version, is a friend of mine calls, uh, and it's because you you use the language despair, and I, I, you're you're I love 
getting fresh perspective on language because I think uh, if, if you said that word normally, I would try and avoid it at all costs. But the idea was she called me and, and she'd been a Christian for 20 years. She was elite at what she did, highest level, an athlete, gone to three Olympic games. I mean, she was, oh. she was legitly uh, elite. And, um, and she basically started the conversation with, I'm leaving Jesus. And so I let her talk. I thought, well, let's, let's see where this goes. And uh, she spent a whole lot of time making a very good case. Uh, for for all the disappointments and despair and of course everything built on separation and earning and so I listened I listened for about almost an hour and she came like a lawyer back around at the end and she'd made a pretty good case for leaving Jesus and I know she'd been calling me because I played kind of a pastoral role in her life so she was looking for some new principles she could take to its conclusion she'd already beaten every dead horse she'd already done the religious thing and uh, so she finishes, she says, I'm leaving Jesus. And I, I paused and I said, well, I think you should, which wasn't what she expected. And it shut her up. First, she got angry. She said a few cuss words. But after that, she, she shut up because she knows how to be coached. And she said, Jason, what do you mean? And I said, well, the Jesus you've described to me, uh, he's killing you. Uh, and I left him a long time yeah. ago. But from there, what I realized is what you just gave new language around what she'd got. One of the prayers of my heart is, man, if there is a delusion that I'm striving under, dear God, take me to the place where I get set free from it. Because uh, that despair that takes you into the heart of the gospel good news was, you know, I got to share with her about union and we got to talk about the fact that she's already included. And in the next several months were, 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 we got to rediscover the gospel and leave a whole lot of the fractured thoughts she had. But it, I love even that when we when we talk in the context of union, words like despair or things that I would have avoided, things that would have made me uncomfortable in the past, I can embrace as uh, knowing that even in that, everything he's doing is to bring me into to a greater revelation of who he is, to set me free from the fractures, the desperation, the striving, the insecurity that comes when I'm living with a flawed perspective on who he is and who I am. Yeah. Yeah, I love your statement. It's to me, dear God, if there's a delusion in me, please help me get through see through it. But even that, if you go back to the story of Scotland and laughter, because that and and even that is already Jesus in you. He's exposed enough to where you could suspect you may have a delusion. Yeah. So, you know, we think we're finally coming up with this. And, seeing, and so Jesus is going to do I've been, I, I got you to this joy in heaven. When I come in, Jason, just, he just said, dear God, if there's any delusion in me, you can't. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, my goodness. This is what it looks yeah. like, you know. Of course, it leads to despair uh, in a short period of time because, we have tried with all of our might. Let's take the word holiness. I, I be be ye yeah. holy, for I'm holy. Without holiness, no one shall see the yeah. Lord. Well, then we're now shopping around the world, so to speak, for somebody to define holiness in a way that I can make it happen in my yeah. life. Right. So that's going to take 10, 15 years before that all comes crashing down. And you realize, uh, I don't even know what holiness really is. Really, the only person that knows that is the Father, Son, and Spirit. So, yeah. I don't know, Jesus. Yeah. I don't know what holiness is. I don't know what salvation is. I don't know what freedom is. <laughs> I want to know what you think they are. Yeah. 
and I want to experience your freedom and your holiness and your goodness and, and your not, not somebody's definition because then I get proud of what I think I've done. Now I'm defending the system and it causes division everywhere. Yeah. No, there's no, there's no pastor on earth that knows what holiness is. Jesus alone does, and he's leading every one of us into holiness without our even knowing it. And oftentimes it's counter yeah. to what we've been taught and what Bible verses and how they're been interpreted. So I look at the story of your friend, I think that's fantastic. Right. She's come to the end of whatever definition she bought into, and now she thinks she's walking away from Jesus, and he's like, no. I brought you here to where you see I'm not that Jesus. Yeah, it's so good. And you can't walk away from anyway, which is the, which is so much liberty when I realized that. Cause back in the past, if I, if someone had told me 20 years ago, I'm walking away from Jesus, I'd have been like that kid throwing baseballs next to you. I'd have been a nervous wreck. Oh, good God. Don't do that. Don't leave Jesus. Like you can't now. I'm like, you can't. Good luck. <laughs> he's, he's well, that, but see, that's the risk. That's what I was saying about the risk. You, a lot of people, good people. In church, they're doing what the preachers tell them to do. They're in the system. Yep. They're, they're working the program as they were told. They're, they know better. At some level, even the pastors know yep. better. But the risk involved in in saying, I, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. I, this is not working for me. You're going to be condemned by the only family system That's that right. you've got. Yeah. So this is McDonald. This is Thomas Erskine. This is A.J. Scott. This is the prophets all the way through. This is the apostles. And Athanasius was kicked out of the church five times. Wow. Excommunicated from the system five wow. times. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, we so so you know we're we're going all around the different stories, but they are the same story, yeah. and that is the good shepherd is leading us to green pasture, and we're saying, Jesus, that's not green. I'm not going there. I think it's right. over. There. I think it's I think it's with this group. I think it's with that group. And Jesus is so, he he's not saying you know with a huge whip in his hand. So look, I gave you three strikes. You're out now. You know no. He he says. I have created a cosmos here. You're in the middle of it as my creature. I'm leading you, and you have freedom to do things your own way. Live out your grandiose political theories, America. Live them out. Right. Give time and space to go for it. It will not work. It will crash and burn. But it's going to take time for you to get to the place where you realize that. And it's okay. I'm not in a hurry. I got all the time in the world. Yeah. Baxter, live out your theories. Try to impose them upon the system if you want, but participate with me in what I'm doing, and I, I will, I will take your breath away by showing you how present I am and my Father and the Holy Spirit, and how it already deals with racism and all kinds of of, of isms. Yeah. That's not who we yeah. are. It's not what's real. It's what you brought to the table, and we're allowing you to do that. But let me be clear on this, and this is Gandalf down in the tunnel, leading them across the fire pit, dungeon, dragon, whatever that was down there. And he's coming up, you know, reaching up, trying to take them down. And Gandalf hits his staff down. And he just screams out, you shall not pass. And I'm sitting there watching the movie thinking, man, that's the gospel. I give you freedom. And in my freedom that I give you, you can create hell on earth and you can make a mess of yourselves and you can puke that mess on other people and you can create all kinds of situations where people are sad and, and broken and all of that. But let me tell you, it does not pass death. Wow. I put mm. into that. Wow. It's a, right. Because in your freedom that I gave to you, you have willfully damned me and cursed me and i accept that wow. and i submitted myself to that now i'm inside the delusion you it ain't it's not you what you the the 
the the bad fruit of your life does not pass over to the other side. So good. Jesus put it in. Wow. So that, I mean that, so that, that the only the only act of violence that ever produced true justice was the cross, and it was our violence against Him. And now we live in a kingdom that is truly nonviolent. And uh, man, I I love what you're saying about getting to the end of yourself, you know, and then seeing the truth because that's when that's when I started asking the best questions. I started asking the best questions when I was absolutely at the end of myself and I encountered a grace, a love and a mercy in the midst of my just everything evil and wrong that I was chasing. And it it changed everything because the moment I said, God, if you're real, I didn't even get those words out of my mouth. And it was like, boom, it was there. God was with me. And he had never left. I had a revelation of his, he'd been with me the whole time. I was just facing in the wrong direction. And once that, once that mindset changed and, and I was at the end of my rope, that's where, that's where it was like, okay, now we can talk about who I really am and who you really are. Yeah, that, and it changed everything. Despair leads to willingness to to run a risk, right? And and and, and risk means it's real to you. Yeah, right. Yeah, it, this is real. This is where I am. Yeah. Uh, and and my prayer, you know, that goes along with what you're saying exactly is it comes out of John eight twelve when Jesus says, "I am the light of the world. The one who follows me shall never ever walk in the darkness, the delusion, but shall have the light of life, of reality." My prayer is, is, Jesus, I don't want to see things the way that I see them. I want to see them the way you see them. I want to see yeah. your Father the way you see the Father. I want to see the Holy Spirit the way you see the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I want to see myself the way you see me. I want to see my neighbors the way you see me. And I want to see my enemies the way you see them. Yeah. That's the prayer. I, I, I don't want to see the way I see and impose that. That's hell. Yeah. On, on mm. myself or your people. Yeah. I want to walk with you, Jesus. I don't know how to do that. I am a child. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not... <laughs> oh, man. That, it's the human story. It's where we yeah. are in life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you think about who the, the dream of God is to take, is to go from non-being, us non-being to dirt, <laughs> to dirt to the image of God. Yeah from the image of God into delusion and from delusion to union with the father, son, and spirit. I mean, who, who in freedom without violating anybody's yeah. will yeah. In, right. tender, in tender love and care, yeah. something way better even than we do with our own children and grandchildren, even though I would, I would want to make sure people realize that the love that we feel for our dogs and cats and the love that we feel for animals, the love that we feel for our family, the love we feel for our friends, that does not have its origin in us. Hmm. That's right. the love that the Holy share with us. And people are living and loving uh, one another in it, and they don't even believe in God. Yeah. yeah. That's where and, we are. And that's where, the, that's where we get the most pushback, Baxter, is when we start preaching this message that God is love, period. End well, of story. Apostolic authority on that one, dude. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. But then the pushback is, well, but he's also just and he's also holy, as if those are two competing things. Then we, you know, then we begin like Brad Jerzak does. We ask the question, OK, well, then show me an unloving holiness and I'll show you a Pharisee. Show me an unloving justice and I'll show you uh, retribution instead of restoration. And 
you know, it, it's like God is the, is the diamond and love is that amazing diamond. Every bit of facet, every facet of that diamond, holiness, justice, you know, the things that we assign to him are coming through that, that view coming through that essence. We have a, we have a, our North Carolina state motto is, um, essay quam videri, the Latin, and it means, uh, to be and not to seem. And that's, that's what you were talking about earlier is the, the good shepherd is good through and through. He's not posing. He's not acting that way. He is pure tove goodness. And he really is that way. And, and I think when we get the delusion dropped and understand that and embrace it, it's the only, it's the only way we have the capacity to be good to ourselves and be good to our neighbors. And like Jesus said, Hey, love your enemies is still a thing. So we get, we're going to, we're going to take this a little further. Yeah, we are. I mean, wow. one of the, one of the beautiful things in, I mean, the gospel of John is littered with fascinating things, but before Jesus feeds the thousands of people on the hill with bread and fish, he, he looks to Philip and says, what are we going to do about this? Philip, of course, says, you know, Jesus, a whole year's salary wouldn't buy enough bread for each person to get a crumb. And then Andrew says, well, there's a kid here. It's got some barley loaves and a few fish, but what is that? And so before all the theology and all the stuff that goes on in, in chapter six, the bread of life discourse and all that, Jesus has already made the point. Yeah. And he's making the yeah. point there simply saying, guys, what you have done is very human and very delusional. You have assessed a situation without me. So he says, you know, in essence, he's saying one of the one of the the um, the rules of discipleship is assess no situation in your life as if I am absent and I am not good. Wow. So. That's it. That's like, okay, every situation that we come into, what is it that makes us so anxious? What is it that creates sudden fear? What is it that causes, assess none of that, yeah. no situation as if I am absent and if I'm not in my Father and the Holy Spirit and we're not good and we're not doing something. So good. So, so guys, what you should be asking me is, Jesus, this is an impossible situation. You're here. We know you got something that you're going to do. How would we participate? Yeah. This that comes back to uh, the conversation. I think I, I've referenced it um, where God invited me to repent, basically agree with him how who he is based on what Jesus is like, and then also repent, agree with how he perceives me. And um, and then from the, the, on the heels of that, he he dealt with the heart of one of the biggest issues in my life. He told me insecurity is an illegal activity to participate in as a son. And um, and and from there, uh, when that prayer is show me the delusion, it's it's when I it's when I find myself in a garden of Gethsemane, swinging my sword on behalf of my my values and my ideology and my out of desperation and insecurity. Sure. There's a whole lot of love there too, but it's, it's connected to this, this false belief about establishing a kingdom, this broken perspective on, on, on what the kingdom on earth looks like. And, and uh, those are the places where I stop and go, man, I'm, I'm feeling sense. I'm feeling desperation or I'm feeling insecurity. And, and that's, that's an illegal thing. Father, show me where I don't see you truly in this moment. Um, I, 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 uh, I, I, it's to me, it's this simple. You said, it, uh, Baxter, I, 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 
I taught my kids this. I said, early on, I said, listen, if you want to hear what God, you want to hear God talk to you because they go to Sunday school and, the t- and we're all talking about hearing from God. And of course, you got to read your scripture and all that. Stuff. I said, but if you, if, if you want to know what God sounds like when you feel love for your mom or your dad, when you feel love for the dog, when you feel love for your siblings, that's God. Mm-hmm. And if you'll come, if you'll get fluent and comfortable with that, you're in good shape. You'll be in good shape. I um, mm. I love that's the simple that's the that's the simplicity yeah. of it for me. Well, ident- helping people identify with what they already know, and, and uh, like Laura says to me, you know, she she's telling Caroline who's uh, seven now. She said, you know, Caroline was saying, I pray I don't hear anything. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, Laura, I said, you know, Caroline loves music and she loves drawing and making things. I said. Just tell her, say, you know, when you're in there drawing away and having fun, she said, that's Jesus. That's you. Share with you. Yeah. So now she's going to concretely identify the presence of Jesus with something that she innately loves yeah. to do. I so love that. Rather than seeing it's God's up there. Yeah. I'm praying. I don't hear him answer. Ask him how. Um, and I tell people this a lot in terms of your homework for tonight is to is to ask Jesus to show you five ways that you yourself are sharing in his life with his father and Holy spirit. And you don't see, oh, I love that. Right. Write them down. Yeah. And then, and That's then good. Take five more ways. And then the, the third day, ask Jesus to show you how he is in, uh, five people that you don't. Oh, like. I love that. Your homework for tonight. Yeah. All right. Podcast <laughs> listeners, your homework. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Baxter, that reminds me of the story. I think you told about the botanist. You're flying back on a plane and you, and you, you asked him where that desire came from. And he was, I guess he'd been in, in Brazil or the Amazon or something. I don't remember, but he was just fascinated and passionate about plants and organic medicines or whatever. And your simple question was like, where, you're helping identify where that co-creating with God comes through him. And, and that's why I think we need each other as well, because sometimes you're so blind to things. You think it's so natural that you're, well, I'm just always this way. It's like, no, the, the way that you are is not normal in well, most people or in me. And we begin to call out the giftings and the, the those kind of good things in, in one another. And that's why the, I feel like the body of Christ is so important. Another, another um, quick story on that. I know um, this lady, she was the secretary and um, and greeter for uh, in the middle of a room with several smaller businesses. So wherever you were going and whatever business was, you saw this lady first. And I got to be friends with her. And I walked in one day. Her name was Dot. I walked in one day. She said, Baxter, I've been waiting for you to come. I don't ask you a question. I said, what? She said, our church is studying spiritual gifts. And I said, really? She said, yeah, we filled out a form, took a test and all that. And she said, I just realized I, I don't have a spiritual gift. And I said, I said, Dot, you've got the greatest. And she said, what? I said, hospitality and encouragement. She said, she said, what do you mean? I said, there's not a person comes in this room that you don't make feel welcome. And that you don't ask about their their family, their kids, what's going on. And I said, and you encourage everybody. And she said to me, yeah, yeah, I know that, but that's just me. (laughs) Well, you're talking about the problem of the Western church is right there. God's up there. I'm here. I'm na- I'm naturally hospitable and encouraging. So now I'm looking for a spiritual gift and I don't have any. 
I said, no, no, no. That's the Father, Son, and Spirit are the hospitable yeah. ones. They're the ones that have created room for us. And, and Paul's word is lavish. Yeah. Lavished upon yeah, us. Yeah, such a good word. You know, and um, so I, I just I heard a, a, one podcast recently where this kid, uh, he's a kid to me, he's a young guy, uh, and he said, um, he referred to the Father, Son, and Spirit as the, the royal family. And I said, that's exactly the case. Mm. And, and that's, that's our family of origin. Yeah. And, and they're all in us. Mm. And we're not identifying. We just, because of the sacred secular split, we don't see things like our care, like you, thousands of YouTube videos of people reaching out to a starving animal or, I mean, saving whales, doing all of that stuff doesn't originate with him. Yeah. It starts with the Father, Son, and Spirit. Yeah. He, he, he doesn't want to be God without us, as Carl Barth said. Yeah. He doesn't want to be the shepherd without yeah. us. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to change water into wine without our participation, because that, that would be for him well, and that, that we're not that's in. So it. good. And all those things that people think flow nat. That's oh, that's just me. That's just me. If it has anything to do with love, if it's patient, if it's kind, if it's not self-seeking, I mean, all those things have to are encapsulated within love. Then John got it right in his epistle when he said. Anyone who loves knows God. Hmm. They may not assign it to Yahweh and Jehovah and who we encounter. Yeah. yeah. Not yet. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's just it. And that's why I think that's why I think it requires a community too to say, man, no, that's such a beautiful thing in you. And I know where, I know where it comes from, you yeah. know? <laughs> Let me I love you, that. I've got one other story to tell you guys. <laughs> Let's do it. We got to talk Bring tacos it. before the end. So give us that. Um, <laughs> Um, so in college, I went along to this meeting, uh, Christian meeting, mainly because there were going to be girls there. And, uh, so <laughs> the preacher gets up and he's, you know, he's, he's doing his whole pose and he says, God, uh, and he held, holds up this tape. Cause I mean, a video cassette, it was back, it was that long ago. And he said, God's taking a video recording of your entire life. Even things that you think that don't, you don't say, and all the things you've done and not done and. And he said, in the end, you're going to stand before Almighty God and you're going to play the video on the big screen in heaven and even your grandmother's going to see it. <laughs> you know, and so that, everybody in the room that's older than 12 is immediately thinking, well, how do I get the eraser? Sure. You know, on that one. So <laughs> the eraser is you come to Jesus and pray the prayer and then they throw the cassette tape. Through the years, I've laughed about that. But then one day it hit me. I thought, you know, we, when we go stand with Jesus, he's going to hand us uh, whatever electronic thing it is, maybe a jump driver. Uh, he says, and he's going to take us into the room, a private room, just just us and Jesus, and he's going to show us how to plug it in to the TV or whatever. And we plug it in. He said, the title of it is "Your Life and Contribution to the Kingdom yeah. of God." Mm. And you plug it in, you turn it on, and and uh, blue screen comes up, and you hit play, and nothing happens. <laughs> it just stays blue, and you're like. What about you know the funerals? What about the certain? What about this? What about all, is there nothing that I have done at all ever that contributed to the kingdom of God? And you're beginning to get a little bit frustrated with Jesus, and He just taps you on the shoulder and hands you another one, a little jump drive, and it says, "Not you, but Christ in you." And you plug that in, and it starts with their conversation in heaven about you that's not born, and then about the moment of your conception, and then you begin to see your entire life as them at work in you yeah. all along the way in your confusion yeah. 
and All maybe right. your pride or maybe your delusion or whatever. And you see your whole life as a participation in the kingdom, which is the life of the Father, Son, Spirit. Man, I love that. I That's beautiful. I'm reminded of years ago, I had the epiphany that um, I, I really do want uh, my to- my story retold uh, in the context of Jesus, in the context of union, it's uh, when I, I read Abraham and I, I know the life of Abraham. And then when you go read Hebrews and it says, it, it seems to miss all of the other stuff and just says by faith, Abraham. Right. <laughs> and I think to myself, man, he never I, I really want, I want my story retold by faith. <laughs> through the goodness, through of, the God. goodness of God. Yeah. Thing, uh, you, you, uh, you put it there, you were putting your hands on it a while ago, is it that in the West we have split the character of the Father. And on this side there's grace, mercy, love. Uh, and on this side there's holiness, wrath, justice, uh, grace, love, and mercy. And it's almost as if we got to do something before God's love and grace and mercy can kick in. Yeah. And, and the truth is God is Father, Son, and Spirit. And all of the attributes are variations on the theme of that relationship between them of love. So I don't even start with love. I start with the Father, Son, Spirit as love. Yeah. That's more concrete to me. Yeah. But then you sure. say, we're going to rethink all these things. And so what then is the wrath of God? It's not the opposite of his love, buying for God's you know, attention to say, all right, you got to kick in the wrath now. It, the wrath of God is the love of the Father, Son, and Spirit passionately opposing our self-destruction. <laughs> so wow. the greatest, the greatest example of the wrath of God is the incarnation hmm. and is the death of Jesus, where he submits himself to us in order to get inside wow. our self-destruction wow. and healing. So that, that to me, that re- it's like, oh man, I get this now. Well, that's exactly the early church's vision. That's not something that, that we, we split it up yeah. in the West because of, primarily because of, of uh, Greek philosophy, but I don't want to blame everything on that. Um, I, uh, the wrath of God is the incarnation. We, yeah, we wow. call this uh, rethinking God. Uh, and then we add with tacos. But we went to the deep end with you, so we could have just ditched the, t- the, the with tacos part. <laughs> but uh, Well, sometimes when you're, rethink- when you're th- rethinking God, it can get pretty heavy and weighty, <laughs> right? And we've all had that experience of rethinking God that we think man, it makes you feel like I've been believing a lie my entire life. And it, you don't, it doesn't feel so good. So we added, Jason added tacos to bring at least a little levity to that and say, okay, we're going to rethink God, but you know, then we're going to talk about tacos and maybe we eat some. <laughs> I'm also, we need, are you? I'm not, we need, your, we need your best taco story. Yeah. Do you, do you uh, make tacos? Do you have a taco story? Does it, does it involve like maybe etouffee or something? I don't even <laughs> etouffee taco. Well, <laughs> Crawfish tacos. Crawfish right. Tacos. Yeah, come, come on. on. A, cra- a crawfish bowl. <laughs> you guys. Oh, man. God and tacos. Now, that's, that takes me in a different direction um, and brings out my uh, humanity a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can, make, you can make tacos with anything. But, man, let me tell you, after our crawfish bowls, I always peel the rest and freeze them and use them for variety. They make crawfish pie or crawfish etouffee. My wife makes that. It's fantastic. But crawfish... Tacos, hardship. Come on, tacos. that's a first. Well, let me tell you, you you got to make the Holy Trinity roux, which is <laughs> yep. just flour and butter 
you, and you're going to go for a light brown one, not a heavy dark one like gumbo. And then you're going to add what's called the Holy Trinity of Cajun cooking, which is celery, onions, and uh, bell pepper. And then you add the fourth member of the Trinity, which is human race, which is garlic. And you put all that in there with a little bit of shrimp stock. And you stir it around until you get exactly the way you want to do it. And then you put your crawfish Come in Come on. And it's, everything's heated, and you've got your, your – uh, I like hard-shell tacos better than soft ones, but this works either way. And you, you take that, and you and you begin to – you put a little bit of lettuce at the bottom, and you begin to, to ladle in there so that when you squeeze it to bite it, it just goes everywhere. <laughs> the and then you're, gonna, uh-huh. then you're gonna be licking the plate. <laughs> That's a, simple, a crawfish pie, but you're not putting it in a pie shell, you're putting it in, in a taco. And a little, any, any spice? It. You got anything to make it spicy? Well, that's already in the, the crawfish as you've cooked it. Okay. That brings in Dr. K's roux, which is a different thing, but it's already yeah, there yeah. in those. So if you were if you were making it with frozen tacos that you bought somewhere, which is it's gonna need some extra Trinitarian love <laughs> and care. And and that would but that's also that's part of the roux. Uh when you put the, the onions and garlic yeah, and right. celery and pepper in. And they literally called the, they call it the the um, the, the the Trinitarian. I mean, uh, the Holy Trinity. Right. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and just okay. just to know, when you do the crawfish bowl, because I was there for five years, they say bowl, which is boil. But uh, you suck the heads. Are you are you one of the you do? I'm way more sophisticated. Than that. <laughs> I learned from a little little old Cajun lady. Uh, she came to one of my. Uh, crawfish boils over in, and I was in Louisiana when I did this and she would take the head and she would separate, pull it back there's a section that folds back and she would put her finger in there and you scoop out what's called the fat it's the yellow stuff yeah. which is unbelievably good <laughs> oh my goodness oh man and now now you can also make crawfish butter that we're sticking the tacos um that's awesome. That's, that's I love it. That's the best. Uh, that's maybe. The best. I love it. That's, that's a beautiful. Tonight. There you go. <laughs> that's a beautiful story, man. I'm, my mouth is yep, watering. I'm in. I'm in. Um, back. There. Well, I tell you. I tell you what. It's one of the things. Uh, I actually cook crawfish. In 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 my home state, a uh, hundred and fifty times more than I get invited to speak. Uh, although that's changing. Wow. Um, but you no, know, so. Back to the original yeah. question, but uh, I love that. And and in the in the Patmos story, after Aiden meets the preacher out front and has his little discussion, Laura and Aiden's oldest daughter escorts him into his study to to kind of calm him down because he's cooking crawfish out back for anyway. She he tells her the story that that he had an encounter with Jesus when he was ten years old and it was pure joy and then it was gone. And he's been searching for it his whole life. And she says, so that's why you became a theologian. And Aiden says, yeah. And he says, and, she, and he says, and, and then she says, that's why you you loathe religious posing. Right. I said, and Aiden says, yes, of course. And he says, but he says, you know why I love cooking crawfish so much? She says, I don't know. They sure are good. It's a lot of fun. He says, when I'm cooking crawfish for my friends and family, that's the closest thing that I know to experiencing the joy that I had when I was 10 years old and met Jesus. Mm-hmm. And she, yeah. she's like, well, you're not ending this conversation on that one. We got to talk some more about that. that Cause wow. that's the end of the sacred sector divide. That's the, and that's, yeah. 
Ooh. that's the reason it's re yeah, that's yeah. really honestly you just defined why it's rethinking god with tacos <laughs> because none of this matters yeah, if it's and, not and across the table. I, I just want to go ahead and make this public but um baxter we would love to have you come and speak here in charlotte at the church that i pastor but jason and i are also wanting to you know maybe do a co some conferences and some things there's so many people that are so hungry for this right here in charlotte mecklenburg county um and i just i just would love to have you come if you're if you're ever able and we would uh man we would take care of you oh, but i'd love i'd love to just, just contact uh david yeah. peck y'all you know yeah. that but um yeah yeah we'll, we'll get a date and work it out and if we do it in the springtime um how far is charlotte from jackson is that what, it's, yeah, it's a 10 drive? 11 12 hour drive yeah it's a high, yeah. you probably want to fly it yeah but i'm thinking way bigger picture oh I'm, come on about hauling up my crawfish stuff <laughs> and um we can we can fly in crawfish anywhere in the country most companies that do yeah. that my, my neighbor does it every he's spring doing. he's a lsu grad big cajun guy but he does it for our whole cul-de-sac find out where he gets yeah uh, all right well you could even go further than this because i've been known to do this <laughs> i've been I, i've cooked crawfish in different places in the country and, and the, the people that were hosting it they got the equipment together for themselves so i didn't have to bring a bunch of equipment so we had crawfish flown in cost a little extra but that's just and then i would bring all my special stuff which is not much yeah. uh, when you got a table and you got um ooh. we got it now <laughs> we're figuring it out Man, I, <laughs> you, you would have a bunch of folks showing up for that let's do it and we'd have that on saturday and then and then sunday we could do you know teaching day or, or maybe do the teaching on friday and saturday we do the um, I, either way, man, I'm with you. You you had me at crawfish, uh, Baxter. <laughs> um, before we hit stop here uh, and stick around after just for a second for everything to upload. But hey, um, just um, what are you working on now? Where can we find you? Um, well, we've got a new website up and running, and it's David Peck has spearheaded that, and it's amazing. So that should have schedule on it uh, like i'll be in fort wayne indiana next month with john crowder and max that sphinx and a group there um i'm trying to travel once a month and not more because i do a lot of online stuff so we have a class called uh patreon class meets once a month called uh baxter live across all worlds we've been working through john's gospel on that that meets first tuesday of the month and there's uh we've got several online classes and what we're decided we're going to do now is is post those and as as people can sign up for them we reach a, a right number but make everything work uh properly we'll we'll have those so we're going to do uh the mediation of jesus christ uh i've already done the lectures they're recorded edited ready to go on that that's that will be new wow. um we do, we do a class on Patmos. We do another class called Introducing the Trinitarian Faith. Um, so all of that will be listed. People can sign up for that there. Uh, as far as what I'm working on now is um, I've got a book of stories that I'm working on. Uh, I'm, I was working on that this morning, and I've kind of rekindled on that. I'm writing a sequel to Patmos. And hang on just a second. I'll grab this. You'll want to see yeah. it. This 
you know, I'm trying to read all the books behind right. the sh- on the shelf yeah. back there. Well, that's, <laughs> all, all, that's the fathers and, and scripture and New Testament stuff. And, and these brothers and sisters overlook what I say and do here. Just over there is all of Bart and Calvin and then Lewis and then George McDonald, Thomas Erskine. And that's, that's right here. But the rest of the room. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> you got a library in there. Oh wow! My goodness. Love it. <laughs> and that's that's just some that's just some of the things. Uh, I've got you another, probably read all of them. Library at least once. <laughs> oh, uh, I love that. There's a fire extinguisher in there too. By law, right? By well, law. sure, but I mean, you, you you have your priorities in order. Any fire comes around here, it's getting extinguished. <laughs> What's that? So th- this right here. Wow is uh by graham sellers and it is the screenplay uh to pass that's exciting oh right that's on. exciting so that, that is uh, and he's done a fantastic fantastic job that's with exciting. it and I, i've edited it and getting it back to him so it's back in his hands and we've got a couple of guys that are pretty serious about producing it and they're they're both um deeply holy spirit men with a lot of experience in in the world of producing quality materials rather than a, uh, you know, a cheesy yep, Christian, yep, whatever. Yep. We, Not yeah, love it. We'll, need, we'll, uh, we'll talk afterwards because uh, I might have some connections there. I'd be curious, but that's so beautiful. I, I've got a sequel to Patmos that I'm working on, and then uh, uh, which is a more of a Dan Brown mystery th- thriller thing. It's kind of fun. And then uh, I'm working on an extended essay on the Gospel of John, particularly the death of Jesus how John sees the death of Jesus. I think there's been a and lot give of us, Give us your website, Baxter. Just mention it for us. Perichoresis.org. Perichoresis. Perichoresis.org. And, and I want to say, I want to say I got on there recently, and I want to say thank you for including the podcasts that you've spoken on. Uh, Tacos is one of those on your page, and it means right. the world to us that you put it up there for other people to find. Because that's what that's what our goal is. We want to expose people to this uh, union message and to this love message. And so we want we want to say thank you yeah. for uh, everything you've done in the past and for being with us today. Uh, you are loved. You are loved. Yeah. And uh, and we really appreciate you. I got before we go. I got. I just have to brag. I got to show you a picture of my. Uh... Oh no! Wait a minute! You can't just do that. <laughs> Come on, brother. Can you beat that? That's eight. That's eight point six. Oh goodness! Well, I got I got lures bigger than that. You you started it. I, I, gotta, I know. I I'm so proud. I got lures bigger. I feel like I'm getting ready to be humbled. Well, that that's one of my lures. Okay. Make. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. That thing's bigger than the phone, but but I got to show you one. Um, uh, if I can find it here, I'm gonna I'm gonna find it. Um, it's one of my most prized pictures and it's of Cooper who was four years old at the time and so he and I were fishing together at the pond behind their house and I caught that fish we so didn't know the way yeah, can you see that wow. other direction. yep this way Look, oh, there you go right goodness. there oh my <laughs> word that's almost as big as him <laughs> I know. Then he and I walked back to the pond, and uh, he's standing right beside me. And he call he calls him monster bass. 
M-O-N-S-S-A, monster bass. So he says, Doc, Doc, I got a monster bass. I got a monster bass. And I turned and looked at him, and his his pole was bent over all the way down to his finger, and it's just, just shaking like this. And I said, Cooper, I said, grab a hold of your pole, of your reel with both hands, and just back up. Don't reel. Just back up to the house. So he's backing up, and I'm like, Jesus, we can't lose this fish. We can't lose this fish. So he catches this one. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my word. <laughs> I said, son, I, okay. I said, I mean, he's as smitten with it as I ever am. And uh, so that's one of the places he and I really connected. He got said, son, I know grown men that fished their whole <laughs> lives and never caught fish that big. Yeah, for real. Out of the pond in his My backyard, goodness. which we didn't think there was anything, you know, in. And now his his dad, Kyle, has restocked it. So this spring, it should have be slap full of two-pounders. Well, tell, if you get a chance, tell Cooper that he won today. He won today's version of uh, who's got the bigger bass. I will, I will explain that, but I've got, I don't know if I've got him on my phone, but my dad, he and I, that's the place we connect. We fish together all the time. And, uh, and he just say, he said, you are just the damn luckiest fisherman I have ever. <laughs> he said, I said, dad, it's a spiritual gift. And he said, he's not luck. So we were fishing. I tell him, I said, you see, there was a stump out in the middle of the pond about, probably about 20 feet out. I said, Dad, I'm telling you, fish that stump. You don't have to go anywhere. Just fish that stump. And so he's casting away. And when I go over here and I come back, I said, what did you do? And he said, there ain't anything in this lake, too. You brought me up here. And it's, I said, I fling it out there. Boom. <laughs> seven, seven and a half pound bass. He said, so wow. That's, that's, uh, the, we, we end with the spiritual gift, but come full circle with the spiritual gift. That one's Jesus. I think Jesus gave you that one. Is that right? Yeah, indeed. I'm gonna wait. We got to do. We got to do one other thing. So listen, there's a reason that the first command in the Bible is the command to rule over the fish. <laughs> the reason for that. Let me. I'm gonna find one other picture real quick. To people, this is worth it. Baxter, I got to ask you: open face or bait caster? Oh gosh, what a what a rookie question. <laughs> You're not gonna. Fish. I'm not going to let you tie on one of my lures if you got a bait casting reel. I mean, okay, I like I like that. I mean, open face reel. That's that's not okay. a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah I I can't master the bait caster. I'm still trying. I oh, need you, help. You just need some instruction. So I do. I've got, I've got a picture of my. Maybe dad. the teacher will show up when the student is ready. I think that's probably pretty wise, actually. But I got a <laughs> picture of my dad on Father's Day. Uh, he and I went fishing in a lake that I helped design. And I asked him, I said, Dad, I want you to fish with one of my lures today. He said, I'm not fishing with one of your lures. He said, "He said, you know, I'd lose it. And you'd write it in one of your stories in a book or something. <laughs> I, said, I said, Dad, I said, I'll tell you what. Why don't you let me tie it on? And if you lose the bait, you can blame it on me not knowing how to tie a lure on. And he said, okay. So he's notorious, my dad was, about, about casting this way and getting hung up in the top of the tree behind him. I mean, not joking. And he just, and so anyway, he, he was always getting backlashed. And so we were fishing in the lake, one of the lakes that I helped design, Steve Horn developed them. Um, and he cast out first cast and he backlashes. 
and I'm watching his line because I know what's going to happen. Those lures, life like they they'll go like this as they sink real slowly. Right. I'm watching his line, and I see his line start moving, and he's back there muttering to himself like Mr. McGuire can't find this picture, but I will and send it to you so you can post okay. it. Um, yeah, thanks. Any, anyway, he's muttering to himself. He said, I said, Dad, you got a fish. You got a fish. He said, Well, I got I got a bag. I said, set the hook. And he set the hook. And we're in a little John boat and it's all this line down. He said, What do I do? I said, Reel it. Set the hook. And the back of the boat, John Buck goes, Whoosh, and it starts pulling us. I said, Really man, Dad, really man. He's oh, and that fish comes out, looks like a tarpon. He goes, Oh shit, 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 shit. <laughs> I looked around. I forgot to bring the net from the truck, and and it's coming around, and I can see it. And I said, I, I'm going in. I don't care if I get if I get nine hooks in my hand. This fish is getting in the boat, and I jabbed down in there and grabbed that fish. Eight, almost nine pounds. Wow! This biggest, biggest fish he ever caught in his life on one of my lures on Father's Day. <laughs> oh, said, what a gift! That was, that was a, a rare, rare gift and a treat for. I've got yeah. a and, it, and now it, you tell that story, you, you don't have to put it in a book. You tell it on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. He knew it. He knew it. He knew it. I wrote down, uh, that story is going in, in, uh, in the book. I wrote down a note on it. Uh, I love it. Awesome. It's awesome. I love it. Baxter, thank <laughs> yeah. you so much. Thank you for being with us today. Our, our audience is going to be really yeah. blessed and we're going to love this. One of the, one of our goals in, in our new website, one of the goals that I've had forever is I get to meet people all over the world. And I'm thinking if you ever get this, this group with this group, all you have to do is bring yeah. them together. And so that's one of the things that we're trying to do is have a place where, where people can say, Oh, I didn't, I never heard of that podcast. Never oh, I knew that. about this. So that is a, one of the, one of the goals there because people are, are beginning to, you know, ask, or I have been asking for a long time. I mean, where, where can I find other people of like mine? I said, first thing I would do is ask the Holy Spirit to lead you. Cause I guarantee you there's somebody in your town that's right with you. Yep. You know? Yeah. And that's what, that's what we're trying to do. Even with our Facebook page, rethinking God with tacos is that, that people are so hungry to be connected geographically yeah. and, um, and they don't know it, but there's someone right down the street from you and, mm-hmm. uh, exactly. start getting together. Right. So or you could thank just walk, you. You could just walk shopping and carry a, copy of the shack and so you either people gonna come up and say you shouldn't read that book that's here or people gonna come up and say man have you yeah. read that book see so let's get together for coffee tomorrow i love it that's a great idea oh, love it appreciate you man hey guys so glad you joined us on rethinking god with tacos you can find me jason clark online at afamilystory.org where I encourage you to sign up on our mailing list. We send out an email twice a month letting you know about new podcasts, articles, and new books or products that we have coming out. Plus, occasionally I'll keep you up on my schedule where I'm traveling. My Twitter handle is at JasonClarkIs. I'm on Instagram under the same handle, and you can find me on Facebook as well. Yeah, and my name is Derek Turner. Jason and I love that you're listening to us. Thank you for all your feedback. Please write in, let us know what's going on in your life. But uh, we are pursuing a mission to help people rethink God. And we thank you for being a part of it. Uh, You can find me at Pastor Derek T on all the socials. And then, of course, I pastor a church here in Charlotte, North Carolina called River Church, rivercharlotte.com. Come and join us. We'd love to have you. Hey, all of these podcasts are available on all the platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google. Yeah. 
Hey, make sure and like, share, and throw a review out there. Let people know. We love good reviews on the podcast. It helps people find us. That's right. So if this isn't a podcast that you enjoy, <laughs> then please promote it, share it, give it a good five-star rating. I like that. That's a good idea. Hey, love doing this journey with you. Brand grace and wonder over you today.